not making, I was making fun of one person who brought bags to the grocery store and talked to my four-year-old about it. So as long as you don't do that, you're not in that category, you're off the hook. Wasn't making fun of you at all. Um, also, last, last uh, week during worship, I stood up and said, that it was kind of this awkward time, if you were here, we, there was a, a few Bible verses from Psalm 127 that I felt like were necessary for us to read, but I didn't really know why, and it was kind of weird, some different people shared things. Anyway, if you were here for that, this is kind of a testimony that came out of that. I got an email from a guy named Mark, who I don't know, he lives in Nashville, Tennessee, I assume, and he, I, I think he was only here last week, I don't imagine he'll ever be back, but he said, while he was in there, he's been struggling in his marriage for a year, his He's, I think he's married to a, a lady who maybe is not a Christian, and she wants out, and he has not been willing to let her go. And during that time, he said he really felt like the Lord said, Mark, you've built this marriage. I haven't. You need to let go. And that's not necessarily a great, uplifting testimony, but for him, he had been wrestling for a year not knowing what to do. And during that kind of awkward time for the rest of us, God really spoke very clearly to him and said he said he had peace about it for the first time ever. So that's why we do that. So if that was kind of weird for you, there was, there was fruit that came out of it. it. It blessed one guy, and God spoke to him and really has helped him figure out how to move forward in his life. And he said it was fine to share that uh, with y'all. So anyway, that's a value for us, and we're going to keep trying, even if it's a little awkward. Uh, we're just going to keep trying to listen to God and see what do you want to say to us today because it might be different than some of the stuff that I've prepared. So last week anyway, we talked about being ambassadors for Christ. It was a little silly and that was my fault. So you might have lost three of the main points and it was just this. One, we're all ambassadors. That's our identity. That's who we are. God says we are his ambassadors. The second thing is that as ambassadors, we announce and invite. We don't convert. Not your job to make anybody do anything. Everybody, God has given everybody the freedom to make choices, and everyone is individually responsible for their heart. Not my job, not your job to make anybody choose anything. We announce and invite. The Holy Spirit does the rest of the work, and ultimately it's up to each individual person to say yes or no to following Jesus. And the last thing we said was the message that we bring, it's the gospel in general, which is God has come to make things right with us, but it's also our specific understanding of that. There's specific experiences we've all had with God, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that today. And that's really what you bring to the table. It's, it's the difference between calling customer service and getting an, kind of an automated system and calling customer service and getting a live person. We don't want a bunch of two-and-a-half-minute canned presentations that we're going around dropping on people. It's the reason God has called us to be ambassadors is he wants live flesh and blood people who can interact with other folks. And that's what we are. So don't lose that by trying to uh, get kind of a generic understanding of what the gospel is. We'll talk a little bit more about that as we go. I know a lot of you don't necessarily love talking about this, whether you call it evangelism or witnessing or sharing your faith or sharing your testimony or sowing seeds. I know it's not a lovely topic for a lot of you, and it's not necessarily for me either. It makes me uncomfortable sometimes. It might make you uncomfortable. There are people who, in my life, who I want to follow Jesus. I just kind of hope they figure it out without me having to say anything, and you might be the same way. Maybe they'll get it, on, and they might. Maybe they will, but probably not. That's probably not how it happened for you, 
And that's probably not how it's going to happen for other people. The gospel travels best along relational lines. And so for better or worse, God has pulled us in to what he's doing. And I just want you to maybe take the, drop your defenses a little bit. Just take the pressure off some. My hope today is to give all of us a little confidence in this area. And I want to start by just saying you're already doing it. If you're a Christian, you're already an ambassador for Christ. That's an identity statement. Just like if you're a Christian, you're already a son of God or a daughter of God. You might not know it, but you are. So then it's just a matter of living up to who you are. And that's really what I want to share with you this morning. You're already this. It's just like if you travel to France, you're an ambassador for the United States. You represent the United States unofficially, but everyone who meets you who finds out you're an American, well, you're representing the United States. The same thing is true if you're a Christian. You're already representing Jesus. So this is not about adding anything extra. You might not feel great about what you do. You might not can remember the last time you ever told anybody about the Lord. That's, don't worry about that. You already are an ambassador if you're a Christian. And I want to give you some confidence in that. If you're not uh, a Christian yet, I think I have some things I can share with you this morning that hopefully will encourage you as well. The key theme this morning is from Matthew 10.8. Jesus is giving instructions to his 12 disciples as they're going out for the first time. This is the first ever time that I know of in history that a group has been sent out as ambassadors for Jesus without him with them. It's the first missionary journey. And Jesus says, among other things, freely you have received, so freely give. So that's just keep that in mind. Freely you have received, so freely give. I'm going to leap a little bit from individual to the group. Today I want to speak to you individually. I think the, the point is personal, but I think it's easiest to see by looking at the church corporately. So I'm going to take a sidestep and we're going to talk about the church for a minute. But as we're doing, don't lose the fact that this is for you. Uh, the book of Acts is really a, a record of the first several decades of the Christian church. And you can, if you read through it, you can kind of see how the message of Jesus spreads. This thing that we're talking about, being ambassadors, you can kind of see how that happens in the first few chapters of Acts. There's a cycle that I see that God plants something, then he develops it, and then he sends people out. So he plants a church, and then he develops the church, and then he sends that church out. And when I say church, don't think building, don't think organization, think the people of God, people who are following Jesus together. That's the church. So, so God establishes that develops that, and then sends that out. Let me read you uh, a few verses. They'll be up on the screen. There'll be a lot of flipping, so don't worry about trying to keep up. This is Acts 2, starting in verse 40. With many other words, Peter warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's the first, that's the end of the first ever Christian sermon, and those are the first converts to Christianity. So that's the first church being established. So that's kind of the first stage. Over in Acts 5, starting in verse 12, the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. That's the second stage. That's this, this church in Jerusalem has been established on that first day that we just read about. Now it's being developed. People are meeting together, they're praying together, they're hearing teaching, they're serving, they're doing all of these things together. God is developing the church. Skip over to chapter 8. 
On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So that's the third phase. That's the sending out. The church was established, it was developed, and then it was sent out. It wasn't necessarily pleasant. It was this persecution, but it scattered all of the believers. Then look down in verse 4 of chapter 8. Those who had been scattered by this persecution preached the word wherever they went. So you see the cycle repeating itself. The church is being established in all of these towns where these guys go. The guys who were scattered, who are just regular people, the apostles all stayed in Jerusalem. Everybody whose name you know stayed in Jerusalem. Everybody else was scattered. And everywhere they went, they were ambassadors for Christ. They shared what God had done in their life. And churches were established in all of these other towns. Flip over to chapter 11. Verse 19, now those who had been scattered, those are those guys from the persecution, by the persecution in connection with Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So there you see the church being developed or the church being built up. These guys were scattered. We just read that. They preached the gospel wherever they went. We just read that. And this says that God develops that. He's building the church. They reached across to Gentiles, which I think is probably 99%, maybe 100% of the people in this room. They reached across to Gentiles for the first time. Those are the Greeks. God is building the church up. Then look over at verse chapter 13. In the church at Antioch that we just read was being built up, there were prophets and teachers, and there's a list of names. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they'd fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So there you see the church being sent out again. So you see just in those first few chapters, this cycle repeating itself. Established, the church is established by God. The church is built up by God, and then the church is sent out. It looks different, but those elements are always there. In the first cycle, that sending out was hundreds, probably thousands of Christians being scattered because they were persecuted. In the second cycle, it's two guys, Barnabas and Saul, really being sent out kind of traditionally how we think of that as missionaries. But it's the same thing. They were, the church was being sent out. So to me, every healthy church has those, goes through those three phases repeatedly, established, built up, sent out, established, built up, sent out. That's part of our history as a church at Stonebridge. About 10 years ago, there was about 12 guys, I think, who felt like God was calling them to establish a church. And that church is now called Riverstone. It's on the corner of Barrett Parkway and Stilesboro Road. And for seven or eight years, God built that church up. And then at some point, I guess maybe three years ago, there were about 30 adults who were sent out from that church to start this church. And so Stonebridge was kind of the second part of that cycle. Riverstone was established. It was built up. They sent out about 30 adults. Then God established this church. And I would say right now we're in the phase of being built up, and hopefully maybe in 18 months or so we'll be able to send out a group to start another church. I have a couple of friends here this morning that I'm going to ask to share because they're at different points in this cycle. I want you to hear what they're saying uh, as a testimony to the different stages of life. And I also want you to be thinking this is not just church. This is 
you individually. First, Randall uh, Hambrick is going to come and share a little bit. Randall and her husband, Steve, uh, recently, uh, what, three weeks ago, started a church in Paulding County called Vintage 242. And uh, they're a part of the network of churches that uh, Stonebridge and Riverstone are a part of. And they're in the God-establishing phase. They're in that first phase. And I've asked her to come and just share a little bit about what they're doing and kind of how she got there. Hello. Steve and I moved. um, We were pursued by Tom Tanner. We moved here last summer in June. And we um, felt like God was calling us to the Cedar Crest area, which is Dallas-Ackworth, basically kind of the Paulding Cobb line. So if you go straight up 41... You'll eventually get to Cedar Crest Road on the left. There's like a Publix and a La Paria and some things right there. But you take a left on Cedar Crest, and there's Cedar Crest 41 and Dallas Ackworth Highway kind of form a triangle. So we consider that our place that God's called us. It's called Cedar Crest, but if you Googled Cedar Crest, nothing would show up. So um, this is basically we um, came a year ago, and we were at Riverstone. Steve was on staff there, and we began gathering a team. We came up with the name Vintage 242, and everybody always asks, what does that mean? And it's funny, you mentioned the Acts 2, and then he went over Acts um, 240 and 41. Acts 242 is really what we're about, which is um, they gathered together for the apostles' teaching, for fellowship, for breaking of bread and prayer, and that's kind of how we want to be. And then the vintage comes from basically the definition of taking something old of value and bringing it into today. So we look at the old church, the first church, it's valuable, and we want to bring that into how we live today, by living life together, by eating meals together, and um, praying for one another, and basically living as family. Uh, so we started a year ago basically gathering a team. We officially started meeting weekly on Easter, and then we began meeting in Cedar Crest August 9th. And that was for our core team, and then we started... I guess on the 16th, opening it up for the public. We actually, um, God opened up a space for us. It's in, um, if you want to flip one one more slide, it's in Bentwater Village. It's a great location, and um, it's on Cedar Crest Road. But the slide before that, that's where we are, between SunTrust and Rise and Shine Cafe. And it's small. We have our kids meeting at a dance place right in the same shopping center. But God's been really good and opened this up for us. Our people are awesome. Um, We have about, that launch together, we have probably 60 adults and 40 kids. And it's really funny. um, People just show up. Our people haven't necessarily brought a ton of people, but we have some signs and things, and people just walk in that haven't been invited by anybody, and they actually have come back. So that's good news. I thought we scared somebody off the first week because our people were so excited, and we, they just bugged somebody to death. And, and somebody saw them at the children's ministry at the end, and were like, was it a fit for you? And I thought, you didn't say that. Please no. And they didn't come back the next week. And I was like, ah. And they came back the next week, and now they've been coming. But anyway, um, you guys, um, that's pretty much where we are. We've, we've, we're establishing ourselves. We have this great vision. God's given us some dreams for that community. We've begun doing some things to to meet our community, just meet them. We're doing some movie nights at Bentwater and at Seven Hills, and we're doing some outreach, some face painting, some balloon animal making, just getting to know people and inviting them and getting to know them, living missionally where we are, just loving our neighbors, loving our family of vintage, and um, that's pretty much where we are. And I do want to say I love Stonebridge, and I'm so glad to be here, and I appreciate David inviting us to come share a little bit about vintage 
Um, he has been incredibly helpful. And if I lived in Marietta, I would be at Stonebridge. I'm thrilled to be worshiping with y'all today. But I want to thank David from Vintage because you guys have been incredibly helpful in just every step along the way. And we appreciate y'all praying for us. We need it and we coveted. And um, if you have friends in the Ackworth, Dallas area, send them our way. All right, thank you. And I would say if you live in the Ackworth, Dallas area, you need to see Randall after. We're going to do something for them next week at church. But I want you to hear just kind of what that sounds like for someone who's in that establishing phase. Things are new. There's a lot of ambiguity. You have an idea, but that's really all it is. Uh, Les, when he was sharing about Marietta Grassroots earlier, just mentioned he said a whim. It was more than a whim. But uh, that's kind of that first thing that happens in your heart freely you have received god puts something in your heart Uh, it might not be fully developed you might not really know how to go for it but there's something there and that's god establishing something in you he's giving you something that eventually he's going to want you to give away and that's kind of where they're moving towards so uh, i have another friend joshua yarbrough josh you can come up Uh, he was on staff at a local church here uh, destiny metropolitan worship church Um, Come on up for uh, several years. And to me, this has been a strategic friendship for me for probably uh, three or four months. I was praying about what do we need to do in the community because I didn't know. We have this vision for community transformation, but I didn't really know how we were supposed to plug in. And he uh, emailed me out of the blue and said, hey, I'm part of this group called Unite. It's local churches who are committed to seeing their communities transformed. And so I went to one of their meetings, and he hooked up with me and really has helped me figure out how to plug into the community. And one of the, some of the fruit of that is we're about an inch away from adopting Park Street Elementary, which is right back over here. It's our local elementary school, and we've uh, met with the principal there, a great meeting with them, and it looks like we're, we're going to be a partner in education with them for the next couple of years. And that came directly out of a conversation I had with Joshua. Now, he's actually resigned from his position at the church and is moving on to something else. He's really in that third phase of the sending out. So I want you to hear a little bit about what's going on with him, how he got where he is, and uh, I'll come back in a second. How's everybody doing? Good, good. Uh, My name is Joshua Yarbrough, and uh, I want to introduce you to the finest woman in the world right here, Monique Yarbrough, with a beam of light coming from the ceiling on top of her right here. (laughs) Can I say fine in church, Pastor David? Um, well, uh, I joined my church uh, 11 years ago. Um, I came to my church uh, a complete and total mess. Anybody ever been a complete and total mess? Um, but I came, uh, you know, just know, just finding Christ, just getting to know him. And our church was actually in a place exactly like Vintage. We were in a storefront just like that. We had another space down the sidewalk where we had our kids. And, you know, they were in the development stage then. And it's amazing being a part of a church in the development stage because you get to develop right along with it, you know. And we got some amazing opportunities to be able to serve and, and grow. And I met my wife there. And uh, I just knew God had called me to do missions back then. I'd only been saved maybe six months. But I knew God had called me to do missions. I didn't know what that was going to look like. And I thought, God, maybe you want me to be like Apostle Paul because I don't know a woman who's going to do what I think you've called me to do. And I met this, uh, again, fine-looking woman who showed up, and she just got back from Guatemala living there for like a month or so. And I thought, man, Lord, you make them beautiful, and they're willing to live in a hut. That's cool. <laughs> you know? So, so it, was, it, was, it was love, you know? So. But we knew when we got married that God had called us to do that. Um, 
our pastor decided to take a big risk on us and asked us to be their missions pastors about seven years ago. So we've been serving in that capacity for about seven years. Uh, you know, we've, the church is an awesome place because, and our pastor always says this, he says, you know, the church here is like a, like a laboratory, you know. You should be able to experiment. And it doesn't necessarily, that might not be the right fit, but that's okay. You experiment, you realize it's not a right fit, you move somewhere else. And you keep going until you figure out what God has called you to do. And you get to exercise your spiritual muscles and your gifts. And you realize what you're good at and what God's, how God's wired you. And, uh, and that's what our pastor allows us to do through that development phase. And we still do that. And so through that, we learn that, you know, this is really what God has wired, how he's wired us. Here's what we're gifted to do. And, and through that process, uh, an opportunity came up. Uh, in March of this year, and we, we have been talking to our pastor for a couple of years now. We felt a transition on the way. We felt that God was about to call us out. And uh, our pastor said, you know, we really want to support you in that. Let's just figure out together what um, God wants you to do, you know. Well, we had formed a partnership about six years ago with a mission organization called E3 Partners who does church planning. They use a model just like what Pastor David is talking about, uh, where they establish churches, they equip them, and they send people out, and they multiply churches over and over again to people groups. Uh, some of them who've never even heard of Jesus. And they've planted at about 12,000 churches since 1987. And they have a vision to plant a million more. And uh, so we started volunteering with them because we used them to send people out from our church to missions. We planted over 56 churches in four countries. And it's an awesome organization. Well, uh, last year, they decided that they wanted to do more than church planting because the churches they were starting, they feared, were ver- being very good at the Great Commission, but were not living out the Great Commandment very well. You know, and I'll give an example. Actually, Susan here uh, went with us to Rwanda a couple of years ago. We planted 45 churches in Rwanda in an area, and we partnered with 40 national churches there to do it. And we reached about 10,000 people for Christ there. And after the genocide, people are just broken. You know, and we share the gospel. They just cling on to it. It's an amazing thing to see. So we were there planting churches, but then also there's 100,000 orphans walking around in that area, and we weren't teaching them how to demonstrate God's love in an effective way to those children. You know, how do you provide homes for these kids? You really couldn't build enough facilities to do it. There's just too many orphans walking around in Rwanda to build enough facilities to put them in orphanages. So there had to be some creative solutions. So out of that came a conviction with E3 and and us too, um, where we need to plant churches that are churches of quality, demonstrating God's love, loving their neighbor, transforming their communities, reflect God's intention for our lives, right? So last year they gave us, or uh, in March of this year, they gave us a call and offered us a position to oversee their community development initiatives in the 44 countries that they're working in, uh, which was a huge promotion for us. And when we first heard it, I thought, uh, are you sure you want me to do that? I don't know if I'm the best person for that. Uh, but we started praying. We really felt God was moving us in that direction. Our pastor uh, is sending us out, and now we're a missionary of our church. And it's a really exciting time for us. You know, We've been feeling this change coming. And um, because of the investment that our church put in us, we're actually qualified to do this, you know. Um, they've allowed us to fail and succeed and experiment and try different things and uh, gave us all kinds of opportunities to grow. And because of that investment in us, uh, we're able to now move into this next season and be sent out by our church to do something great. Thank you. Joshua and Monique will be around uh, after the service, if you guys want to talk to him. He did not mention this, um, so I'll mention it for him. The position that they are moving towards is 100% support. They're raising all their own support, not just to live on, but actually for their ministry. They're creating, they basically are creating a job 
uh, with this organization. So they're raising the funds for them to live on. They're moving to Dallas to do this, Texas. And they're also raising the funds to do the ministry. Um, so if you can imagine that, going to a company and them saying, yeah, we want you to come work here. Uh, we want you to pay your own way, and we want you to pay to actually do the job. You've got to, that's kind of where he is. It's a great organization. I'm not slamming them at all. I'm saying that's where Joshua is. And so if you're interested in supporting them or just finding out more about E3, I'd encourage you to talk to him. He gave you just the, he skimmed the surface on what they're doing. There's a lot more there. So uh, what I wanted you to hear from both Randall and Joshua was individuals who have kind of freely, who are freely giving what they have received. This is not about being a part of a church plant. It's not about going on staff with a missions organization. It's about recognizing that God has put stuff in each of us, and he expects us to give that away. We've received freely from him, and he expects us to freely give all that we've received. Joshua was mentioning over his time at Destiny, some of the things God put into him had to do with community development. He learned how to connect with local churches. He learned how to connect with local governments. He learned how to connect with local business communities. He learned how to connect all of those pieces together, and now he's giving that away in other countries. Same thing with Randall and Steve, were uh, the leaders of a campus ministry in Central Florida for years. There are things God put in them about how to reach people, how to do church, that they're now giving away in Paulding County. So for each of us, whether you ever do anything officially church-wise or not is irrelevant. What matters is you're an ambassador for Christ. There are things he has given you, and he expects you to give them away. So the question for us this morning is what have we received? What have, what have you received? What have you received? What have I received? And I can two general things, and then we'll try to get more specific. One thing you've received is a place in the world. Every one of us has received a place Depending on how you think about God's activity in the world, either God put you where you are or he didn't, but he wants to use you where you are. I don't care which one of those you choose, but it's one or the other. Either God has orchestrated your circumstances and he has put you right in the place that you're in. Well, that's not an accident. Or you are where you are because it is an accident. God had nothing to do with it, but the Bible says he, has a, he can use that. Either way, where you are, there's purpose there. And I don't just mean geographically or physically where you are. I mean who you're with. The network of people who are connected to you. That's one of the things God has given you. We talked about this a little bit last week, and it's unique to you. Nobody else is, has that world. Nobody else has the unique set of relationships that you have with the amount of responsibility and influence you have in those relationships. We might know some of the same people, but we know them different. And the influence we have with them is different. That's a huge gift. God has given all of us an assignment. There's a place for all of us. And then the second thing he's given to all of us is his grace in some form. Freely we've received his grace and he expects us to give that away. That's kind of what we were talking about earlier, kind of our take on the gospel. It's not that we, we all have a different gospel that we share with other folks. It's that we've all experienced the grace of God differently. And God expects you to give away what he's given to you. I've, no one, I've never had anybody close to me die, ever. The only people who have been related to me who've died have all lived eight hours away. I saw them twice a year. was not devastating for me emotionally on any level. 
I don't like the, Psalm 23 says God walks through us. Jesus walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death. I know that's true, but I've never experienced that. Some of you have. You've experienced the grace of Jesus walking with you through the valley of the shadow of death. And he expects you to give that away. That's something that you've experienced. One thing I have experienced right uh, after I graduated from college, my wife and I got married and we moved to Wilmore, Kentucky and went to seminary. And it's expensive. And I didn't have a job and she didn't have a job that would pay for all of that. On paper, our expenses exceeded our income every year. But we never were in debt. Checks came in the mail. Cash was stuffed under our door. That can still happen. We live at 222 Hope Street. No, I'm joking. Um, work. We had work opportunities pop up for things that we were not, jobs that we did not seek that came and kind of found us. We had opportunity to work. Our cars lasted. I mean, there were all kinds of things. We were fine eating less than great food for three years. There were all kinds of things that happened that where we saw God providing. And I've like, I've done that. I've experienced his grace for three years. We can go back and look in these notebooks where I just wrote down, this is what happened week after week after week. All of you know in your mind that God provides. I know because I've experienced that he is. And that's grace. That's a, a grace that I've experienced that God expects me to give away. He expects me to give that away in some sense to other people because I've been on the receiving end of that. You you get what I'm saying. So all of you have experienced God's grace in some ways. And I would say even if you haven't chosen to follow Jesus yet, if you're still kind of on the outside, you're looking, you're thinking, you're wondering, you've experienced the grace of God as well. The Bible says God causes the sun to shine on everybody, the rain to fall on everybody. It's common grace that we all have. And what I would say to you, it, even if you haven't made a decision to follow the Lord yet, if that's something you're still thinking about or considering, there's God has shown grace to you, and he expects you to give it away also. For all of us, freely we've received something from him. You're healthy. There, there's something you've received from him, and he expects you to give that away. If you don't, this is, might seem harsh, if you don't, you can lose it. There's a biblical principle that's use it or lose it. Jesus says it this way. I tell you that to everyone who has, more shall be given. But from the one who does not have, even what he does shall be taken away. That doesn't sound fair. The context of that, that's the end of a parable where three servants have been given amounts of money. Two of the guys had worked the money and had doubled it, and one guy buried it. And what the master says to the guy who buries it, he says, take it away. The stuff that he buried, take it away. He didn't use what I gave him, so give it to somebody else who will. And the same thing is true for us. God gives grace to us freely, but if we don't share it, we can risk losing it. It's kind of ironic, I guess, if that's the right word, that the more you give, the more you get. I'm talking about grace here. The more you give away the grace that God has given you, the more you can receive from him, and the more you hold on to the grace he's given you, you not only will you not get more, you risk losing what grace you have. So freely we've all received and freely we all need to give. There are note cards under your chairs. I know y'all love it when I put a note card under your chair. And there's a pen under there too. And this is what we're going to do. Bo, you can come back up. 
this is what we're going to do. I'll come back up and close this in a little bit. The two questions for today are, what is your world and what grace have you received from God? And I, really, I want you to write it down. You, you're not going to give me the card or any of that. I just want the accountability of actually thinking about it. If I ask some of you, where is your world, you, you don't know. Don't just think about the, don't write the name of your street. I want you to think about people. Who are the people who are in your world? And then on the other side of the card, I want you to write down the grace that God has given you. And that's going to be tricky for some of you because you're not sure. Again, this, whether or not you're a Christian or not, there's been, I believe there's been some grace given to you. There's some good gift that even you would say, you know what, I didn't deserve that. That was something God has given to me. I just want you to start making a list of the grace that he has given to you. And then I'll come back up in a second and we'll talk about what it looks like to give that away. So I'm going to pray. And Bo's just going to sing. And we're not going to do, we won't go long, just, you know, a couple of minutes, just your first impressions. Where's your world on one side? What grace have you received on the other? God, I do pray that you'd speak to us uh, pretty clearly and pretty quickly, if you would. Um, show us the people who are in our life that, strategically, God, the people who you've placed in our life, the people that, I guess, you've placed us in their lives. And I pray that also, uh, even more than that, you would show us the grace that we've received. For many of us, we don't even think about that. And I pray that you would come and you would show us all of the good things that you've given to us.